Patamari in the morning. 150 years ago last month, in May 1864, uh, it's quite a different scene here in Tauranga. We were one month out from the Battle of Tukuhinehina. Our My ancestors were celebrating in their way a famous victory against the British troops and the British troops were licking their wounds. Uh, a number of, them, of the British troops returned back to Auckland, uh, including most of the naval contingent. And our own farmer, our own ancestors here in Tauranga, uh, were thinking what was to come next. What were they to do with their famous victory? But one of the realities of their victory was that despite the win, uh, due to injury and due to death, our own troops, our own tour, our own people were much reduced. And despite the win, uh, they still would struggle to challenge the crown over here. And so 150 years ago, in 1864, other supporters of the Māori King, King Kāwhiao, arrived here in Tauranga to support uh, our cause against the British crown. Those people include Ngāti Tamatea Tūtahi, Ngāti Hine Kura, and Whānau Ia Hine Rupi, so from Tiarawa, as far afield as Ngāti Parau. And of course, my own Whānau uh, from Ngāti Rangi Mūihi, included a man by the name of Tikāpaiwa, came here to fight with their relatives, with their king's kingite supporters against the crown. And so they arrived here in Tauranga and planning was drawn up for another attack. At least we presume it was drawn up. There's no written evidence of what the plan of attack was. But our understanding today is it looked something like this. The idea was to build another park up in Pies Park, about five kilometres from here, uh, to draw the British forces away from Te Papa, where they were in their redoubts. And whilst they were coming to attack this part, for another attack to take place at the Redoubts and to Papa for the secondary force. In other words, to split the British forces uh, and to defeat them on, on two fronts. What we do know from written uh, history is that on the 21st of June in 1864, about 500 to 600 British troops led by Colonel Greer attacked uh, a group of uh, Māori defenders at Te Rama in Pais Pa uh, and prior to the completion of their trenches. Now James Cowan, who wrote one of the first formal histories of the Tauranga battles, uh, says that a patrol had stumbled across uh, the digging of the trenches up there at Te Rama, uh, and uh, essentially that it was good fortune. Uh, with, um, with Cliff, I'm less inclined to believe that uh, because it seems unlikely that 500 troops uh, and a colonel would go out for a Sunday walk and have, would have to stumble across uh, uh, particular uh, entrenchments up in Tarama. It's more likely that there was good intelligence. Certainly the British would have been aware that another attack was being planned and perhaps they were aware of more than that. Nevertheless, nevertheless what we do know uh, is that on the 21st of June, unprepared part of Māori defenders were set upon by 500 to 600 troops. The defenders included two important men, Rāwini Kuhiraki 
and that tribunal would allocate um, that land back to people. Which is an important thing to break up our hapu and to break up our evil was to individualise ownership of the land. 50,000 acres of that 290,000 were retained by the Crown and were given to the people who had assisted them, those soldiers, uh, and to Kupapa, those tribes who fought for the Crown. For example, where we live in Miriwau, uh, that entire piece of land was initially given to a Tiarua warrior who then sold it on to six farmers. Strange to think there were six farms on that piece of land uh, now. Can't imagine running a farm that size anymore. 9,000 acres was kept in reserves for Māori. I'm still not quite sure what reserves for Māori means, but it was kept for reserves for Māori. Uh, and finally, and perhaps most, per- most pertinent to my whānau uh, and to my hapū, 90,000 of that 290,000 was purchased between 1864 and 1871 in what is known as the Kati Kati block purchase. One of the ironies of the idea of purchase is that my hapu, Piridato, hadn't surrendered at that stage. And indeed, were well, large amounts of them were in the bush and over Rokolia continuing to fight against the Crown. They didn't surrender until 1881. So whilst they were away, their land was being purchased. And the legitimacy of that is probably not hard, or the lack of legitimacy is probably not hard to see. Now all of that is reasonably well known in history here at home. That is the foundation of our city. And whereas Pukehina in the day here reflected, reflected the sense of uh, triumph, the sense of celebration that many of our evil felt, Tarunga is a different affair altogether. <coughs> it's a different affair and it's a grubby war. But what I would like us to turn our attention to is who was central to the Battle of Taranga and who was central to the Battle of Pukehina. And that group today um, we call the Runanga Tapu, which is our Māori men uh, and woman of faith. Now in Romans 6.3, which we've just heard, it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus <coughs> were baptised into his death. When I've heard sermons on this in other churches, often, in many ways, we're talking about the idea of our own baptism, that we're to give up our old self, that we're to give up our sin and follow the path of Christ. But I wonder if a passage like that for the Runanga Tapu in 1864 had quite a different meaning. When they talked about Christ's death, what did they understand Christ's death to mean? Of course, Christ died on the cross. If you don't know that and you're new to the church, that's probably one of the things you should know. Uh, and we often talk about him having two thieves, two thieves on either side of him. But when you translate the actual word, they used to talk about the thieves who were uh, crucified either side of Christ. The word they're actually talking about are rebels. The death on the cross is the death for sedition, it is for sedition against the state. Sedition against the emperor, not sedition against religion. And so when our Uma Tapu looked at Christ, I wonder if they understood their death in relation to their sedition against the king, the British king, I think it was the British king or the British queen, British queen at that time, against the British queen and against the state. 
I wonder if they saw reflections of themselves uh, in the death that Christ had suffered. In Matthew 3 11, and in many places in the Gospels, uh, John the Baptist promises about Christ that he will baptize you with, holy, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And now I don't know how tough we at the time where fire was a literal term. Fire of muskets, fire of cannons, fire of mortars. And so when I think our men and women of faith, May in 64, read the Gospels, when they were reading the letters, and when they were organising the battles, the Pukehina Hina Hikarana, I don't think they fooled themselves that this was a conceptual death that they faced. I do not think that they organised the fight in the certainty of triumph, in the belief that they served a triumphant Christ who would lead them to victory. I believe that they fought on the expectation that they would suffer a death as Christ did, a death in humiliation, and a death of loss, and that they would join the suffering Christ uh, in fighting against what they understood to be huge odds uh, and far superior technology. I don't think they were foolish, I think they were realistic. And what the hope that they lived with in the realism of their day is in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so my question to us today, 150 years later, is have we seen their resurrection yet? Have we seen the resurrection that they hoped for yet? Have we seen it, for example, in the promises of the prophets not long after these men and women fought, who said that the British would be driven out, all lands would be returned, and New Zealand's Aotearoa would return to a pristine state? Seems unlikely. Perhaps we've seen the resurrection in the settlements in the last few years. But if we've seen it there, then it's been a miserly and penny-pinching affair. And nothing like the resurrection that certainly I would have hoped for, and I doubt the one that they would have hoped for. Perhaps we've seen the resurrection in the promises of Statistics New Zealand. We're saying that in 2050, the majority of people in this country will have Māori whakapapa, will have a Māori genealogical connection. So perhaps our resurrection will be a a triumph over the population by virtue of breeding. But I wonder if any of these actually constitute a resurrection in any true sense of the word. And I doubt that they constitute a, resolution, a resurrection. But one thing I am sure of is I know for myself, and I'm sure for you the same, and even in the writings of many of our authors in the Bible, we too quickly look for triumph, for resurrection, over the triumph over our enemies is the sign of resurrection. So what we long for is their pain and humiliation as a sign that we've achieved our resurrection. But I wonder if more truly those of us who serve Christ find the resurrection in passages like Isaiah 61. Now you'll know the first bit because uh, Christ spoke that in the synagogue, which is the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me, and sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, and to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. We know that, we should know that reasonably well. But the verses that 
Uh, I read and it seemed compelling to our men and women of faith who died 150 years ago at the battle of battles of Pukehina in Atarama. His verses 3 and 4 were saying, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. And I wonder if the commemorations, if the celebrations that we've seen in the last two months are actually the sign of the resurrection. We are our city leaders, no matter their political bent, no matter their skin colour, no matter their background, have come together to pay homage to our Rumana Tapu, to those men and women who fought in faith at Pukehinahina in Tarama. I wonder if it is in the honouring of sites like here at Cape Park, where the Po have gone up and the path has been put in and the history is recorded and people can come and visit and remember what happened here. I wonder if that is the sign of resurrection here in our city, is remembering our history and remembering what it means to who we are today. And so finally, on this our Poetry Sunday, I wonder what is the church's role in the resurrection? As we celebrate our three tikanga, perhaps uh, commiserate our three tikas, depending on where you're at with these things, then I wonder, what is our role? How are we be involved in the resurrection uh, for these men and women of faith? Is it to be in miserly giving? Is it to be that we'll give land back to tikanga Māori and to iwi when we don't have a congregation to fill it anymore? And somehow say that that's a gift, as opposed to uh, reducing the loss on our own assets? Is it perhaps that um, the Pentecostal side of the Anglican Church will rise and rise so it will give people wild, unimaginable visions, a high Christology that doesn't connect with their reality and that makes them feel very good every Sunday? Perhaps it's a, a way for the inevitable here in the Church where the Anglican Church becomes predominantly Pacific Island and Māori by virtue of the fact that that's where our young people and our families are. Well, I hope not. I hope our resurrection looks more like uh, the promises in the book of Isaiah, which is that the church will be at the forefront of honouring, restoring the devastated, honouring the fallen, and changing mourning into gladness. That will be a church that I think on a Pokeri Sunday we would be proud to be a part of. So, I think yesterday was the feast day for Henry Tarantua. Uh, we're also about to have the feast day for Wudamu Tamihana Tarapipi Te Wahalua as well. We think about these men and women of faith here in Tarana Moana. These men and women who found the direction of life for their people. Then my hope is we, as the church, are the sign of that life for people here in Tarana. Kia ora and good morning.